crossing broadcast on a Wednesday afternoon. A what up Wednesday? What up chat? What up, Russ Joy? Let's bring him on right now. Let's bring uh, Russ on right now. I'm not going to do a lengthy issue. Russ is my co-host for today. What's going on? Greetings. Russ? How you been? Hello. Kyle, you've gotten shorter and you've grown a beard. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> yeah, this is the return of the kinker um, after a two-week break. Uh, where is Pagan, people may be asking. Well, he asked for an indefinite leave of absence to hang his wall art. And we figured it would take him a while to hang his wall art, so we granted him an indefinite leave of absence. Poor Bad guy. joke Pour to start out. it off. Bad Pour joke. one out. Yeah, yeah. No, now everything's good with Pagan. Pagan's just going to um, Pagan's just going to hop off the show for a little bit. There's nothing wrong with anything. Everybody's fine. There's no issue here. Um, he's got some stuff he's going to uh, work on, some other projects and things that he needs uh, time to do. So he's going to. Uh, Depart for a uh, short amount of time here, and uh, I'm going to carry the torch. Kinker's going to carry the uh, the crossing broadcast torch. Russ is going to step in and join the show. And uh, you know, for like for people who don't know, um, like who may have just like latched on when we when we brought this thing back like a year ago, a year and a half ago. What was it? Summer 2022? I think we came back. Summer of 2022. Right. Yeah, not this summer, but the past summer. Um, Russ is a crossing broadcast OG. You like that original, I mean, they were crossing broad podcasts that predate Russ and Adam Lefko and Kyle Scott. Um, but yeah, I mean, Russ was like, the, well, this current version of it, like whatever iteration go back five or six years, Russ is the OG of that. So I thought it was uh, appropriate that we get him back on here. And we have, we have some, um, we have some ideas that we're kicking around, right? Cause originally, you know, Pagan and I were doing uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. When we started mm-hmm. the show, we did that through the first Eagle season. And then we kicked it back to Monday, Wednesday, because Pagan's idea was like, look, we're doing, we have all these Eagles games on Sundays, you know, waiting until Tuesday to talk about it doesn't make any sense. So, well, why don't we switch it to Monday to Wednesday? And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, and then we can get on the Eagles right away. So, you know, we talked about going back to Tuesday and Thursday, keeping it Monday to Wednesday. I know you had some ideas to do Monday to Thursday. So, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think? I'm, I'm open. We're open to hearing whatever people want to hear. If, if people in the chat want to go Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. I mean, Russ, you were talking about maybe doing something on, on Monday and kind of being the lead. I mean, um, you know, what do you what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, the the idea, I think, and I'm I'm excited to kind of come back and return to where it all started. You know, it was seven years ago almost that I started this show with Kyle uh, before he became a multimillionaire, back before Lefko became likely a multimillionaire. And then there's just me. There's just yeah. poor old fucking me, you know? Um, right, but but joint, no, like, joint Media LLC is still relatively new, right? So I don't, it's I don't still, think... I mean, it's still new. Got a, a successful YouTube channel over there for It's Just Wrestling. Obviously, Snow the Goalie spun off and is partnered with the Flyers. But I went, you know, it's time. And yeah. so, you know, you and I kind of talked about it last week, but... Well, my goal, my my plan is on Mondays to do a show, me and the people, and I want it to be an interactive thing. I want it to kind of be like a, hey, let's all decompress after a weekend. Let's talk about what happened over the weekend. Let's kind of set the stage for what's to come later in the week. Uh, I already set up a phone line for it. Now, I'm not going to do live calls like right off the start, but it will be like a, a hotline. People can like leave a message. They can leave their thoughts. So I want all the people who are, who become like, 
kind of critical of this. Not not going to go the full Chuck from Mount everything where like the people are the show and it has nothing to do with the people hosting the show. Yeah. But like I want the people who have been in the comments section here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, like I want those people to interact on that show. But I also want them if they want to give that phone call or that that phone line a call and to leave their their message and we'll react and we'll kind of have it out. I want it to kind of be a, a fusion show, like nothing is off limits, and we'll kind of we'll have a lot of fun with it. We'll probably talk about like there is bound to be crazy shit that happens over the weekend on Twitter, um, and we'll get into that as well. I think that's going to be like a fun way to kind of set the stage, and then you know later in the week, you take the lead uh, lead spot. I think it makes sense to have a little bit of a gap, like I talked about Monday Thursday, because I'm always afraid when you do like a two day. Like the old version of this show was me, Lefko, and Kyle going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah. which worked because at that point, like we were all doing different things. We all kind of were living different stages of life, and like there were a lot of different things to talk about. And given the time that this show is kind of going through another iteration, I'm always like, man, if you're going Monday, Wednesday, you have such a big gap between things happening after Wednesday. But if you do Monday, Thursday, well, there's stuff to talk about. And yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to get like, weekend. yeah, you don't want to get to get like redundant where it was like, uh, you know, Pagan and I would come come back on like a Tuesday, we talk about the Eagles game or whatever, and then like there wouldn't be much that happened in the thirty six hours since forty eight hours since. They were talking about the same shit that we're talking about on Thursday, so I'm open yeah. to whatever. Like honestly, you know, like crossing broadcast is supposed to be like the flagship show of the uh, the network, right? Which has Snow the goalie uh, crossed up. I was doing always soccer for a little bit, put that on ice, but. Yeah, the whole the whole point of doing this in the first place, bringing it back in the first place, was that even though Pagan and myself were co-hosting it, like it was supposed to be a forum for all the guys to be able to jump on. You know, Anthony's been on a lot. You've been on a lot. Coggins been on a lot. Tim has been on to complain about Reese Hoskins, Milwaukee Brewers uh, first baseman Reese Hoskins. So you know, I was always kind of I always kind of meant to it to be for it to be a you know rotating cast of characters who can say whatever they want to say or jump on and like have a have a forum for that. So. So yeah, maybe we do something like that, but we're open to whatever people say. And the um, yeah, shout out to dumb drafts. That was fun for like the four weeks that we did it. You know, that was, that was a hard one to do because we had to like book like a judge, like a uh, booking a judge. Yeah, proved to be more difficult than it probably should have been. Yeah, but yeah. it still I mean, exists. I mean, the feed, the feed still exists. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Could dumb drafts yeah. make a return? I don't know. So we're yeah, I mean we're open to whatever. I mean you know drop me a line, drop Russ a line, you know, let us know in the chat what you're interested in doing. But we uh, we kind of shift around crossing broadcast. Crossing broadcast changes up every so often, but it's existed in many different iterations over the years. So anyway, enough of that. Um, so we got a rundown. Today. I, I better hear from Ford. If I don't have a message on the line by <laughs> Monday to like play on the show, I'm gonna be pretty, yeah. I'll be pretty pissed off. I'll be so, I'll be honest. Funny thing about Ford, you know, for anybody who's been watching this or listening to this for forever, Ford has been a listener from day one and he's been beating down our door to get on the show. He wants to come on, he wants to talk sports. Um, we told him we'd get him on at some point. So Pagan drops off. I hit up Ford and I'm like, hey, now's your chance, man. Wednesday, you come on. Maybe we could have done some bit where, like, you know, I, we said that we were replacing Pagan with Ford, right? Replacing um, but, Pagan with a Pagan. So, yeah. So the one day that Ford actually can't do it was today. So he's like, oh, shit. You know, so what, like you got to be ready when your number's called, you know, mm-hmm. like you can't be bitching in the chat the whole time saying uh, I'm ready to come on the show. I want to come on the show. And then when I call on you, you're not available. So now Sad. Ford, Ford goes it. down to the bottom of the list, the bottom of the list again. Yeah. 
Yeah, twenty four seven live stream from Craig's lab. Um, yeah, so we got so listen, it's it's um we're gonna for the rundown today we're gonna go through all the teams because it's kind of a weird, it's it's kind of like a weird thing right now, Russ, where it's like the Flyers. So the the Eagles just wrap it up. We've got a Super Bowl coming up that nobody here gives a fuck about. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, nobody gives a shit. Uh, you know, the Flyers are on break. <clears throat> Sixers have the Joe Allen beat injury, so people are kind of dropping off that bandwagon. The pitchers and catchers haven't reported. For the Phillies, yeah, but that's going to be coming up soon. And for the Union fans on here, they're going to start soon. But we're kind of in like a weird lull where there's really not much happening. And so I figured it would be a good idea to kind of take the temperature of each of the teams and kind of see where we're at with with each of them. And we start with the Eagles, obviously. Look, I don't know, like to put a bow on the season real quick, because I think we can move on to that and talk about the Brazil thing and whatnot. I'm fine with Vic Fangio. I got no problem with it. I mean, this, this was the podcast of Q Ganon. And two high safeties, and we were apologists for all that. So I don't care if he has the two safeties standing in the end zone, right? Because I've accepted that that's what the Eagles want. That's what the franchise wants. That's what they're looking for is that kind of defense. And uh, regardless of who they brought in as the defensive coordinator, they were going to have to upgrade the town anyway. They don't have the linebackers to play in any system. You know, James Bradbury fell off a cliff last year. So I'm fine with Fangio. I got no issues with that. Kellen Moore, they're going to throw the ball. Of course, they're going to throw the ball. You know, I mean, it's going to be good for AJ Brown, it's going to be good for Devontae Smith. And uh, we'll see how he works with uh, Jalen Hurts, but I don't. I don't have any. Pro- I have no problems with either one of those those hires. Do you? Do you hear that? I hear knocking on wood. You hear that? Howie, Howie, it's time to get to work, pal. It's great to have Vic Fangio. All right, now the the Dolphins players didn't seem too upset that he was gone, but if you can't. If you can't find success with a Vic Fangio disciple, then at least get the man himself in. I'll say one thing. Fangio makes a lot of sense on a few levels, but one of them is uh, I view him in the same way that I did the way that Jim Johnson was at at the end of his career with the Eagles. You're not going to be worried that Vic Fangio a year from now is going to leave for a head coaching gig. I don't think. Right. And if he's successful, you can get a few years out of this. One of the things that like Nick Sirianni's just had a hard time with is like keeping his coordinators in town year over year. And so, at least on the Fangio side of things, you should be able to say, hey, defensively, we know what this guy likes to work with, we know what he likes to prioritize, and conceptually, they shouldn't have an issue on the defensive side of the ball, especially with maintaining some kind of stability, which is critical, especially if you're going to be a Super Bowl contender. But on offense, the Kellen Moore... You know, this, that signing's a little bit iffy to me, not because I don't think he's qualified, like that guy who said that uh, Tom Kelly was bullying him on WIP because he happened to note the fact that, you know, <laughs> saying that just because a guy was a Cowboys <laughs> coordinator uh, makes him an instant failure. Not that. Kellen that Moore shit, could yeah. very well get, like, connect with Jalen Hurts, could fix this offense, or at least send it back on in the right direction. My concern is that if Kellen Moore comes in here, Jalen Hurts rebounds back to MVP form Jalen Hurts, that a year from now we're having a conversation about Kellen Moore interviewing for head coaching gigs. And now look, if it, if it leads to a Super Bowl, then you take it. That's fine. Like whatever, you lose your coordinator, it sucks, whatever. However, I do worry that like you have a successful run and then you still have to eventually part ways with your offensive coordinator who goes off and, and you know finds greener pastures. The hope, I guess, would be that if Kellen Moore finds success this year um, and if the Eagles somehow get to a Super Bowl or they win a Super Bowl, that they do something akin to like what um, Detroit did 
with their coordinator who, you know, came back because he wanted to like help lead the team back to a Super Bowl or to a Super Bowl. You would hope that like maybe Jeffrey Lurie opens up the pocketbook, opens up the checkbook a little bit and makes it financially advantageous for Kellen Moore to stay here. That that's the hope. And I, yeah. I don't have a problem. I do, you know, there, there's a little bit of like, Hey, is this too much of a retread thing? Like there were no super exciting names that we learned that were interviewing for either position. It wasn't as if like you had a, a Denard Wilson kind of guy that was coming in that you say, Hey, like we love what he did with the defensive backs in, you know, Baltimore, or you say like, Hey, there's this guy that we found, uh, you know, out with the Raiders or something that was like working in like as a, a linebacker savant or something like you didn't have that kind of guy. Yeah. I don't think rumored to be here. So if you weren't willing to do that, and if you felt like experience was critical, especially with, you know, glorified cheerleader, Nick Sirianni, you know, at the helm, then fine. Like in theory, this should work better than rolling the dice on, you know, a Sean Desai and a Brian Johnson from last year. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, look, any, any, we, we can't be naive to the fact that any team that's successful and does what the fans want them to accomplish and what we all hope for that if that is the case, and that means that those guys are probably going to be targets at the end of the year. So that comes with the territory. We all have to accept that. Okay, they did really well, and they got back to the Super Bowl. No shit, your guys are going to be poached. So to me, it's like that comes with the territory, and I have no issues with that at all. Um, I'm just curious I'm, to see how Jalen Hurts does, I think. Because, we, you know, I think the one thing that was kind of under, underrated was the idea of, uh, you know, continuity, right? And Jalen, I don't think it's any coincidence that Jalen had his best season, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, when he got two years of Shane Steichen. You know, so um, we'll see. But uh, I don't I'm not concerned with either one of those those hires. So, Craig, if you have that um, that thing, that link that I said, you can pull that up. So the main thing uh, that people are talking about on uh, Twitter with the Eagles this week is uh, Brazil. They are going to Brazil to play in Sao Paulo. It is Sal Sal Paulo Antonio uh, next season to begin the year. This is my Photoshop. That's Sepultura with the football and an Eagles hat there. I'm going to work. Kevin, Kevin, I have a question for you. Yeah. Você fala português? Oh fuck! Here we go. With I forgot you speak like four languages or like bits and pieces of four languages. I got to prepare myself to do a show with Russ again because Russ is gonna he's gonna rip Howie Roseman. He's gonna talk about institutional arrogance. He's gonna do his Donald Trump impersonation. He's gonna speak Maybe. ten different languages. So I just get like just give me a moment to kind of get back in the the flow of all this stuff here. But uh, yes, yeah, so this is my column from yesterday. Opinion: The Eagles playing in Brazil is a fun and unique opportunity, and we should embrace it. Uh, everybody knows how I feel about this. Like, I, I don't, I think like Philadelphia is one of the stuffiest like areas of the country. And we're so fucking boring. A lot of times it's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to Wildwood for the 40th straight year to vacation on the same street that I always am. I always say the same thing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to Wildwood, but there's a lot of the world to see and we should be like open to, to new ideas. So look, the, the two sides of the argument here, let me just lay it out. Number one, the Eagles lose a game at Lincoln financial field. I get it. You know, I, I don't have any retort for that. You know, number two, it's Friday. They got to travel 12 hours down, 12 hours back. You know, I get that. I don't really have any comeback to that as well. I would say that, you know, now that you have the 17 game schedule, nobody's got a balanced schedule. Nobody's got an even amount of home games and away games anyway. So you have one neutral game, then you get your eight home, your eight away, you know, to, uh, to you know, or eight at your stadium, I should say, then eight at other people's stadiums. So look, I, I, I like the opportunity of them playing elsewhere and the the, the uh, like i think it's a privilege quite frankly to, to play to be the first one of the first two teams to play down there 
and uh, you know, playing the Corinthians stadium and, and being first, the first part of the first game in South America, Brazilian fans are amazing. South American fans are amazing. You and I are both soccer guys, Russ. We, we know it. I'm an MMA guy. I watch all the Brazilian MMA and all that shit. So like, I think, I think it's great, man. I think the Frankfurt game's great. I think the London games were cool originally. I think they're kind of getting worn out now, but I mean, <clears throat> I think it's something different, man. The idea of like Delco people like rolling up to, uh, Sao Paulo is pretty cool to me. So I'm all about it. I don't give a shit about losing, you know, a home game. I understand if you're a season ticket holder, yeah, you'd want nine games instead of eight. Sure. But you know, this is what the NFL does, man. They're all about the international series and uh, you know, they're going to Brazil. It's a perfectly fine thing. I think the, the thing that conceptually just doesn't make sense to me on a fundamental level is of all the fan bases for you to take a home game away from that. It would, be the Eagles and it would be Lincoln financial field. Um, I, I find that a little bit confusing. I know that like, there are people who say like, Hey, why wouldn't you've done this with a Jacksonville game? Well, again, the cons own the Jaguars. They own Fulham in the UK. You're saying like, it's, send all the, send all the shitty teams overseas uh, first. Well, leave, I think that the that's, that here, was the, leave the Eagles here, leave the Steelers here. I think that was the, at first blush, people said, well, why don't you just send Jacksonville? And I would say like, why is that in Arizona? Who doesn't win anyway? Their fan base is like kind of hit or miss on if they show up. Send them. Send one of the LA teams that like has had a hard time generating enough buzz, at, you know, in um in that stadium, like in SoFi. Like I don't know. You can mess around with it. I think that it's fine. I think that like in theory, if you're an Eagles fan and you're triggered by this because you're going to get one less home game, sorry. Like that does suck. I get it. And they're expensive tickets to have. And I have no idea how you recoup the money that I guess you would have otherwise spent uh, on that game. Are they going to discount? Like, do you do you just not pay for that extra home game? Like, I don't know how that's going to work. No clue. I get it. I think it kind of sucks. I think that in a place like Philly, you should want to have as many home games as you can. What you're essentially getting now is a neutral site game. And for a team that wants to win a Super Bowl, this is not a fair break. At the same time, you now have the chance on a business you know, standpoint, like if you're Jeffrey Lurie, you're going to get cut a nice check by the NFL, presumably. And now you've reached out and you're like part of history. And we know how much owners like to be part of history. So like you're going to be the first team or, you know, in the first matchup, you're in the first Friday night game to start a season in like over 50 years. They like this kind of shit. Do I care? No. If I were a season ticket holder, I'd be upset. But, like, it is what it is. I think that for the players and everything, like, it's not an ideal way to start your season to start abroad. Like, it's not as if you you have this, like, weird time zone change that you have to deal with. But, like, fundamentally, like, your entire thing as a pro athlete is to have some kind of rhythm and routine. How the fuck do you do that when you've got, like, a 12-hour flight in front of you? You know, like... That's not, I, that's not what this is, you know, no, culturally, know. like you can't, it's, it's also not like going to London where everybody speaks your language. Right. And like, it's easy to navigate. Like, are there a lot of English speakers in, in Brazil? Sure. Are they going to really have to spend that much time on the streets of Sao Paulo? Like just you walking around, walking around. Like, I don't think like, these guys are just walking down the street. Like, like, like. No, you know, business wise for those guys, it might be nice because they're going to pick up a lot of Jersey sales. Right, like they're gonna be a whole lot of Jalen Hurts jerseys sold in South America now. 
they're going to be like a whole like here's my you know? counterpoint to your counterpoint and and you were just, actually i'm sorry you're just getting on to a good point about marketing about global brand recognition and all that stuff i know that we're provincial and we don't give a shit about the eagles outside of this this market right it's like well you know if you're an eagle because we don't like dallas fans from who are from here so why would we care if brazilian people turn into eagles fans i get that but it's like that's like it's a global game now you know and like the global recognition and like the brand exposure and all that stuff some kid walking around becomes an american football fan now maybe he's watching you know maybe he grew up watching jose auto and that maybe now he's into american football too you know so to me that's 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 like like i i I appreciate that you know um the counterpoint to the counterpoint is that it's the first game of the year right so you're gonna have plenty Mm -hmm. of time to prep and go down there or whatever it's on a friday so you're gonna have the two extra days rest to get back i don't i know i don't think flying 12 hours down and 12 hours back is amazing for anybody but they're, they've been fucking around these guys, Russ, for the last couple of years now. I mean, like mm-hmm. Thursday games and then Monday games. And then, you know, the Eagles only having like three one, one o'clock games. And then that, and then they've got a, a playoff game, a wild card game that's on Monday now. And then you got to go Monday to Sunday when it used to be a full week's break for all these these games. So, like what you're talking about, I agree with. It's more like a, it's more of like a common theme with the NFL scheduling and like not, you know, they say they care about player safety and taking care of their bodies and rest and relaxation and all that stuff. But they haven't. They haven't. And that's why when people tell me that Brazil is a cash grab, it, it goes in one ear and out the other. Because I'm like, the NFL has been a cash grab for forever. I mean, they added 17 games and they got them more money because of it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the number number one thing. So I agree. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I just I think I'm like jaded and burned out on that. So I don't worry about that stuff so much. I just see it as a as a <clears throat> cool opportunity. You know, there's another angle to it, too, though. Like the World Cup is going to be in you know, in the U.S. in 2026, right? So, like, there's this idea that maybe you're trying to reach out to that South American market and you're trying to get them, I don't know, like, invested in some way, even emotionally, if not financially, into the NFL and into American football. And and you try to kind of cultivate some kind of interest in it. And I don't know. I, I don't know how this will work. But, like, it certainly doesn't hurt. I mean, again, maybe it, it hurts the rhythm of the players. But, like, I don't know. I it's a yeah. pretty cool experience. It's a cool opportunity. Like, I don't know, are there, yeah. I, I think if you, if you interviewed the players who are going to be down there uh, away from the cameras and had like an off the record conversation, are, are any of them really going to complain that they have to go to Brazil for a game? Probably not. There might be a few who just don't like flying or don't like the idea of, again, it's a super long flight. Yeah. You know, like maybe they're not, they're not flying, you know, they're not flying like me, like Delta. They're not flying Alaska yeah. airlines with the, uh, the door blown <laughs> off the plane or, you know, what, what is usually part of a, a door that they converted into a, a window yeah. or whatever. Listen, I'm not a Boeing expert here. Jalen okay, Carter like, got sucked out of the hole in the window. <laughs> Listen, he's a big boy. I'm not so sure that he gets sucked out of that, that <laughs> hole. And I'll tell you what, let's get, let's get this clear. All right. If uh, if it's Jordan Davis, according to Brian Baldinger, he's not fitting through that hole because he was out of shape the whole season. No, oh, I know, I know. It's just funny. It's like these guys aren't like cramped in there, like sitting there like we are. They don't have like it's not like me flying with my kids to Florida and they're like climbing all over me, grabbing grabbing for like the iPad and all that shit. These guys are going down there first class, man. So it's going to be comfortable, you know. Um, be fine. They, everybody will be fine. Everyone will deal. It'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I, I think it's cool. And look, my final point on this before we move it on to the Sixers, I, I think like, um, well, I heard one person say like, well, you know, this could set them off track, and you know, they may never recover. I'm like, motherfucker, it's like week one. If they, if this if, were week if, six, if, I would if, agree. If they, yeah, I mean, if they can't recover from like, if they go down and lose to 
uh, the Falcons. I don't know who the opponent is. We haven't seen that reported anywhere, right? No. Oh, okay, so if they go down and pick a team, they lose to the Falcons in week one, then they got to fly 12 hours back. They got 16 more games to get it figured out. Mm-hmm. Eight at home and eight at Lincoln Financial Field and eight in other places. So I'm, so I'm not yeah, I'm not worried about it. If, if they can't recover from a, law, a week one loss in Brazil, then they're probably not that good enough anyway. Um, I like right. this, by the way. This, this is, I think, the bigger concern. Jamie says, uh, I guess the positive is the start of the season. As the son of a high school football coach, I hate that it's on a Friday. I think well, your I bigger could, concern. I could spend if, an hour talking about that. How much? Like, yeah, how much? <laughs> your your concern as a football fan, just in in theory, is that the NFL is going to eventually move to be as close to seven days a week as possible, and and it's not that far off, right? Like this yeah, yeah. is a league that's willing to make the schedule work. Wednesday night football on ESPN. We've never had like Christmas Day games, the way that they kind of shuffle things around, like they are more than willing to potentially explore a Wednesday night game. I think that if there's one night that they might hold back on, it would be Friday because of high school football and because of the potential. You like you you think about if you're trying to build the game, right? I don't think the NFL actually has a problem going head to head with college football on Saturdays. I, I could totally envision a scenario where, like, the NFL's king and it's just going to be Saturday. You're going to have obliterated the NBA on Christmas this year. Yep. I mean, the NFL doesn't so, care. Yeah, you know. Like, it would not surprise me if, if we got to a, a position where you saw Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday from like week 13 on. I wouldn't be surprised. And I don't think anybody should be surprised. Again, they are by far so, so in their own league, in their own stratosphere that like nothing can touch it the nba had staked out the claim on christmas day games for six years a decade no it's longer than a decade yeah yeah. they were the show in town the nfl rolls in and they i'm gonna watch my language but like they destroyed the nba institution wasn't it that one one game on Christmas Day with the NFL had more combi- had more viewers than every NBA game combined? Yeah, like yeah. what does that tell you? Yeah, you know? but I mean, to your to your original point about high school, it's like I've I've had the benefit of like living down south and living up here and and like seeing it seeing it in different spots. Like high school football is so much bigger in some parts of the country than it is up here. I mean, does any was any Eagles fan? How many Eagles fans are going to be mad that they can't go see? Mathacton versus Souderton or something like that. St. Joe's prep, LaSalle up here, sure. But high school football in this region is not like I don't think anybody's gonna throw a fit about that. It's more it's more the it's more the concept of like you're going up now, you're going up against the kids too. They can't even get their moment. You know, you, you won't have the support of the coal region, I can tell you right now. When Pottsville and Blue uh, Mountain go head to head, people go. are going to be going to that game. They're going to yeah. be tuning in on, I think it's like AM 1360. All right. That's what they're going to be. It was doing. funny because when I, I didn't give a Georgia, shit about Browns and Bengals on a Friday no, night. No. When I lived in Georgia, it was almost backwards. It was like in terms of importance. Like up here, it's, it's you know, pro, then college, then high school, right? Down there, high school, mm-hmm. number one, college was number number two. And then some people cared about the Falcons, but some people didn't. But it's just funny how it's like, yeah, I, I get it. I get, that's a good. It's a good discussion. It's a good topic. I don't know what the uh, what the end game is for all that, or even if there is an end game. I think the NFL doesn't care, and they're happy to just dominate everything. Um, Can you okay. blame them? No, you know? no. So um, you know, this is the time of the year. I mean, I thought a couple of weeks ago we would be like really like 
entering into the Sixers mode right now and having all these like great things to talk about. And I could dive back into it and get back to, you know, diagram and plays and doing this stuff and like having fun. And then Joel Embiid gets injured again. It's a, uh, a displaced flap of the uh, left meniscus. So we're learning new things every day here. Everybody's a Twitter doctor. You know, I didn't even know there was a flap in your knee, but uh, apparently, so he's out, got surgery the other day. Four weeks going to be reevaluated in four weeks. We shall see. It looks like eighty percent of the starting lineup is out tonight against Golden State. And uh, you know, I, I think I think would we agree that what they do at the trade deadline is going to be uh, tell us exactly what they think about Joel Embiid, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't think you're going to have him for the playoffs, or if he's done for the rest of the year, then start getting assets now. You know, start moving these guys who are on expiring contracts. Get something for him. Otherwise, if they add. Then that t- says to me, all right, they think Embiid's coming back and he's got a chance. Um, so I don't know. I wish I had more of a – I don't know what to say about the six because it's like we do this every year, you know? Like am I just re-racking the same thing that Kyle and I said last year and the year it's before? It's the same thing. It is it the same thing. changes. I know. ASMR time. Let's just whisper into the microphones, Kevin. It doesn't matter. It never matters. The Sixers do the same thing every year. It's very nihilistic of you to say that. Here's the thing, though. I love the Sixers. I love basketball. I'm a small white guy. I can't play basketball. I'm useless. I'm effectively useless. I can sometimes shoot. All right? And I'm, like, scrappy and I'm annoying. Okay? But, like, the Sixers don't deserve the time of day until the playoffs come because there's one guy that I care about. Tyrese Maxey, all right? I think Tyrese Maxey's an absolute treasure. I think the guy is somebody that, like, I never want to see leave the city because the guy seems positive and modest and his smile is infectious and it's fantastic and I wish him nothing but the best. I'll say that Pat Bev is, like, the perfect Philadelphia player and it's a shame that it took so long for him to come here because he's just, he's got that Philadelphia thing inside of him, which we love. And I don't mean to disrespect the guys who play on the team, they're wonderful people, I'm sure, maybe. Nick Nurse seems like he pushes all the right buttons, but it all comes back to Joel Embiid, and it always will. And this time of year, the same shit happens. And it's not his fault. It's not like Joel Embiid is, like, out bowling like Andrew Bynum. It's not like Joel Embiid is, like, you know, tearing his meniscus while bouncing on a trampoline park, right? Like, it happens. He's a big dude. He's heavy. It doesn't matter if he's in shape or not, like, He's a big dude who clearly has a body that, like, for whatever reason, it just breaks down. Again, it's not his fault. But it does put the Sixers in a really weird position because, like, you've got the trade deadline coming up. In a few, like, is it tomorrow or is it next Thursday? Is it tomorrow? No, I think next Thursday next is Thursday? NHL, right? Yeah. Um, no, that's not until March. That's how much it's I've a, been yeah, The NHL one's not until till, till, uh, okay. uh, till the month it shows of March. you how much so, I've been paying attention, though, right? I mean, Jesus, it's like, Kevin. Well, you know, you know, there used to be a time where you cared about the NBA as the uh, the beat writer here for, for your team, I your do, town. I never been filled up the 76ers, but it's this tomorrow. Is, this is why we pay but, Craig $250,000, because but, the, uh, the NBA trade deadline is tomorrow the 8th. Thank you. It puts the Sixers in a bad spot, but at the same time, him getting hurt now instead of three weeks from now is at least you know. So if you go into this trade deadline and you say, hey, we have a few expiring pieces and we think that we can attach a draft pick that Daryl Moore doesn't like draft picks anyway, but like that you can say, hey, we need to get another ancillary piece that's going to be able to take some of the scoring burden off of Tyrese Maxey, then you have to think about it. You know, like, is it DeMar DeRozan going to be available at the deadline? Maybe. 
Do I want a DeJounte Murray? No, I don't. I think his stock has fallen tremendously since he got dealt to Atlanta, and it doesn't look like he's really helped all that much. There's a reason that like they thought he was going to be a cornerstone piece with Trey Young, and his name has come up in the trade you know, rumors for months. You can't stand Pat, though. Like Kevin here on, on the chat, like you can't. You can't stand Pat because yeah, you, you either either you're you know even if you don't think these guys are going to do something, um, you know even if even if it's not in line for a, a playoff run or anything, uh, you know surrounding surrounding that you know you got to start thinking about next year. You know maybe some of these moves predicate you know your thoughts of what your your plan already was. I think I think just the the thing that kind of is is annoying is like we all went into the Sixer season saying, well, wake me up when they get to the playoffs, you know, same mm-hmm. thing we've always been saying. And then they overperformed expectations and they were kind of fun. So they get us to this point where it's like, yeah, I feel like I'm like kind of climbing, climbing back on here. I feel like investor Jeff, you know, one day I'm on the bandwagon, the next day I'm off. And the next day I'm <laughs> underneath the bandwagon and getting run over by it. But, you know, regardless of them, coming in with lower expectations than overperforming, they ended up, Russ, where they always end up. Third seed and then Embiid's injured. Third seed and yep. Embiid's injured. So so it's just a, it was a different way of of getting there this year. And Craig, if you have that list, we can start on that. But I, again, it's like you you have a different starting point. You end up at the same finish finish point every time, you know, third seed and then Joe Embiid gets injured. So instead of uh, rehashing all that shit again, I decided to turn it into an exercise because we always like to do a, an exercise on the program, or was that my other podcast? That was the other uh, one, but that's okay. So I came up with the 10 most ridiculous Sixers injuries and ailments of the last 10 years because we have to qualify. Some of these are not uh, orthopedic in nature, right? I mean, if you have mm-hmm. gastroenteritis, which comes in at number 10 on the list here, then, uh, yeah, it needs to be stated. Gastroenteritis was funny, man, because, you know, it became kind of like the catch-all for anything. I don't know if these guys actually had the shits or not, but it was like, you know, if some guy was in the – was in like a trade rumor or whatever and Shams announced it or whatever, but they have to wait like three days before they can put the official press release out. It's like, well, Dario Saric has uh, gastroenteritis tonight. I guess that means he's getting traded, you know? So number 10 mm-hmm. was gastro, uh, gastroenteritis. Uh, if we scroll down to number nine here. Um, now this is where it gets tricky because there's been, <laughs> well, the funny thing is that there's been multiple issues of the same nature. So I had to differentiate between the two different Jones fractures that were suffered by Sixers over the years. Jones fracture number two comes in at number nine. Zaire Smith. Everybody remembers Zaire Smith for the sesame allergy and the thing that almost killed him, right? I think people forget that he had the same injury that Ben Simmons had mm-hmm. at camp in like August of 2018. And he was going to miss significant time, even if he didn't end up with a feeding tube in him. So Jones fracture number two comes in at number nine. Uh, number eight, Jones fracture number one. Uh, ben Simmons, of course, missed his whole you know, rookie year because of that thing. This That was um, camp, I guess, summer league camp, the camp, whatever, development camp, whatever the hell they call it. This is whole rookie year because of that. So they had two Jones fractures for two first-round draft picks within two years. Number seven, uh, this is where the displaced flap went. I don't know. Is this, like, accurate, Russ? Because the displaced flap is kind of TBD. Like, I don't know how significant it's good. Like, if you say that they were rolling – if you want to craft a story say that they were rolling and they were going to do some damage in the playoffs this year and they were going to be a good team, then maybe we look at this list, you know, X years from now and say, okay, the dis- displaced flap was pretty significant. But It's got to be higher on the list just because it's a displaced flap. Who the hell knew there was a flap in your This, like, Embiid has had meniscus issues before. Philly athletes have had meniscus issues before. I never have I ever heard flap. 
Well, the meniscus was the thing last year. Was last year the meniscus? No, the year before was the meniscus, right? Yeah. I can't even remember which meniscus was when. I know that's (laughs) the problem. There there was one surgeon who was like weighing in on Twitter a few days ago who said something to the effect of like all of the timelines that have been thrown out there about like four to six weeks is like based on them just doing like a quick clean out. And I think like a, um, I forget what term he used, but it was like a, a cleanup version of it should be four to six weeks. But if yeah. they have to go in and like fully repair and add stitches and everything, he was saying that it could it could be like four months. Yeah. So yeah. like that's where things get a lot more complicated. And that's where like you worry about the potentially disingenuous branding and labeling of this as an extended period of time could be a legitimate issue because if they know they're going to go in and repair it and that the season is effectively over because Joel Embiid will not be around for the playoffs, that would be catastrophic. This is if good going Craig to, here. Like, yeah, Craig's, Craig's yeah, got a, um, for those people who are listening on the podcast, Craig pulled up a types of meniscus tear. Graphic. Zoom in on that, Craigles. Like, let's let's yeah, see where normal. the flap is. I want to see a displaced yeah. flap. Yeah, that's... Okay. Where's the flap? Like little, I don't see a flap. Like a little piece of it is flapping off. That's Is that why they call it the flap? Flat oh, so it's like when you get like LASIK and they kind of like slice a flap open. And it doesn't then they look as bad as the other ones, though. I mean, like, I mean, look at all that shit. Like that one, it's like longitud- longitudinal, a bucket handle, mm-hmm. horizontal, radial. That what's your, mount, looks what's like your Mount Rushmore of meniscus tears? Yeah, six I got to start with the radial tear. I think the radial tear is one that like it's just annoying enough, but you can probably play through it. But, um, yeah. you know. That's so what was number sure. uh, what was number six on the list here? Let me see. I'll pull it. Craig's got to earn that two fifty k. Now he's got to like toggle you know, between windows. I think Craig is rejuvenated in the post Kyle Pagan era here because Pagan wow. treated Pagan treated him like shit, like dog shit, and That's now Craig is kind of a, a broken. Fa- yeah, okay. So there are two broken faces. Uh, number one was indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Embiid uh, getting elbowed in the face by Pascal Siakam in Toronto. I put this one first because it was. Um, it was done in the run of play. You know, I know people at the time said that they thought that was dirty from Siakam. It was like they were up 29 points with like four minutes left in a closeout game. And people said the doc should have taken him out or whatever. I had broken face number two there because the other broken face with Markel Fultz was when his teammate ran into him. So in terms of ridiculous, if the, the exercise is based on ridiculousness, then I had broken mm-hmm. face number two at six. Number five, I think was the navicular bone, right? Yeah, the navicular. I mean, like the thing that kept him beat out for – for two years, I mean, holy shit, I, that whole saga, we weren't sure if he was ever going to play or not. You know, that could have been number one, if not for some other uh, prime candidates here. Number four was, uh, yeah, broken face number one, right? Faults. Yeah. I remember because you, you met, they were in the middle of their 16-game uh, winning streak at this point, and um, they kept winning even when he went out. But he just threw – Markel Fultz threw him like a high elbow entry pass. Embiid kind of bobbled the – the catch and he was leaning forward trying to grab the, the ball back and Fultz just clocked gave him, right him another elbow Fultz gave him an elbow right? gave him an elbow yeah the people's uh, not the people's elbow right in the face and which now you we can get... find at Wrestlemania 40 yeah, yeah, yeah. in a couple yeah, of months sure. at, at the end of the show field. we'll do WWE at the end of the show and I'll just get up and go to the bathroom and you can talk for like now nah, people can go listen to it's just wrestling for that anyway number number three Number three, thoracic outlet syndrome or whatever we're calling it. Now, Russ and I, about five years ago, we did a show uh, for Crossing Broadcast called Thoracic Park. And I think we just played Mm -hmm. the Jurassic Park music in the background while talking about Markel Fultz's injury. But the thing that was weird about it was they called it three different things. I mean, Fultz's camp was calling it like a scapular dyskinesis. And uh, Brian Colangelo came out 
and called it sca- scapular muscle imbalance or something. I remember that uh, when we finally got Colangelo, <clears throat> like right before the trade deadline in uh, 2018 or 2017, whatever it was, 2018, I guess, um, we were all asked, we asked him like 10 Markel Fultz questions in a row. Then Howard Eskin comes in and he decides to ask about the trade deadline. Yeah, we had not gotten Colangelo on anything Fultz related for months, and uh, Howard wanted to ask about the trade deadline. Uh, number two on the list. Oh, Craig is still cooking here. What is he cooking up? Uh, number two on the list was the uh, the oh yes, almost killed by food allergies, right? So mm-hmm. Zaire Smith and the sesame seed or whatever. Uh, did people realize that these happened like a month apart? So he was already on the shelf with the Jones fracture. And then he ate like bad sesame seed chicken or something like that. And then he ended up in like the story by Alex Schultz. Don't let G- Craig like, cook when it comes to sesame seeds though. Near oh, yeah. Smith, you know, people let in the Craig comments, cook, but- very insensitive by the commenters to talk about Craig cooking right now. You know, <laughs> let Craig cook, just not sesame chicken in uh, Camden, you know, but yeah, I mean, he broke his foot. Right. And then he ate some chicken at the Sixers team practice facility. They made his lips tingle. And then uh, fast forward a little bit. He had four tubes stuck into him, which is, which is ridiculous. I, like can't make it. I know we were all laughing about it at the time. It's like the most Sixers thing ever, but this dude lost 40 pounds. You know, he could barely do any physical activity because he was already on the shelf with the Jones fracture. Remember? So, you know, um, the number one of course is, uh, allegedly hit by a car. Uh, I don't know if I agree with this boy. Mm, okay. Go ahead. You don't think that, uh, an alleged hit and run is the number one, uh, most ridiculous, a guy getting literally hit by a car or maybe not hit by a car, but you don't think getting hit by a car is the number one, most ridiculous thing that could happen to a six. Would you put sesame seed chicken at number one? I think sesame seed chicken is probably number one. Maybe That or the Fultz elbow to, uh, to MB just because of the context and because like we already had to deal with the fact that like Fultz couldn't remember how to shoot a basketball because well he could remember how it's just he crashed his bike after he told the Sixers that he got rid of all his bikes. Oh yeah, here but, we go. Um, Russ, Russ was like a, you know, a Q, Q Russ, and on of, uh, yeah. Russ was the the Q and on shaman of the BMX bike uh, conspiracy. I, I mean, it was one hundred percent true though. You like. We just go back to it really quickly. Mark Holtz <laughs> told the Sixers he got rid of all his bikes. And then what comes out around the draft? It was a, an ad for JBL speakers where he's riding his bikes. All right? And it wasn't filmed months before. PG County. They love bicycles and BMX in PG County, Maryland. He did not get rid of his bikes. He very clearly crashed his bike, and it screwed up his shoulder. That's for, more, uh, for more of Russ on this uh topic i encourage they, you to wow the next, craig is the earning, you know, craig gets two hundred sixty thousand now there you go <laughs> craig does that's, deserve that's a raise. A craig pull. is on fire man i seriously think that yeah i think this is the, the post pagan effect craig is just craig is cooking today as the chat is uh and you know what though i was pissed off at the time the faults thing makes me so upset because faults was exactly what that team needed he need they they needed it desperately and it fell apart and I, I just cannot fathom that, like, nothing yeah. happened. And then there was a the thing with, like, the lifting the weight over his head and, like, did the strength trainer screw something up because he went to lift it over and you can kind of see his shoulder kind of give out. But, yeah. like, was it that? Like, I don't know. But the, the Fultz thing, honestly, Fultz to me. Shooting off of his back. Doing yeah, the, like, doing the you can make the case that anything to do with Markel Fultz once he was drafted by the Sixers yeah. is the number one thing. Because there's just Looney Tunes shit with that. Like, we have no clue what happened. Ben Simmons is, like, simple, right? Ben Simmons just had – he had a back issue. 
he had the thing like where his his um his sister was like accusing their stepbrother or their like brother-in-law or whatever of like potential assault yeah, and then yeah. like it was like hey Ben should probably go away for a little bit cuz like there's some really crazy family shit happening like that's more important and then right, it was right, just right. like right. there were like a million things happening with Ben Simmons but you can kind of like trace it the faults thing never made sense and it it is the the uh, to me that's the number one most crippling thing i liked ben simmons in terms of like what he should have been able to blossom into but if you had had at least faults and then you had to deal with ben simmons imploding fine you would have had that that number 2 guard now it in fairness we got the karmic payoff because we got tyrese maxey and tyrese maxey is everything that markel fultz was supposed to be so i guess he was like the prince who was promised but like still the Fultz thing is weird. It always was weird, but I will give the guy credit. He had millions of opportunities to shit on the city of Philadelphia, and every time that the media has tried to set him up to shit on the city of Philadelphia, he has acknowledged that it was a great place to play, and he appreciates yeah. the fact that the fans tried their best to be as supportive of him given you know how complicated things were. So. Yeah. No, I, I hear all that. Yeah. Craig is on fire, Craig, too. Craig is Dang. on a heater, man. Craig is on an absolute heater right now. He's just pulling up stuff left and right. So, like, uh, obviously, then we're out on the Sixers, I guess, and we're in on the uh, Flyers. Well, I wasn't really sure. Honest to God, man, I looked at that game last night. The Flyers ended up beating the Panthers in Florida. It was a really good win. Um, and I was looking at it on FanDuel, and I was like, eh, I, uh, you know, like I was like the Larry David meme where he's like, eh, you know, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I ended up not putting any money on it because like, it's the type of game that the Flyers will fuck around and win. You know, and they did. I saw Travis Konechny miss that, like, breakaway chance in the first period, and I was like, I feel nothing because I know they're going to keep scrapping and they're going to keep clawing. They always have these, like, and, and, like, admittedly, like, you know, you host STG, and you guys do this all the time, and I'm like a Flyers casual. I have no problem admitting that I'm a Zamboner, right? Um <laughs> But when I watch them, I feel like I, I, I there's at least one part of every game where they look like they don't even belong on the ice with the other team, and then they just kind of claw and scrap, get a couple takeaways here, you know, block a few shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it's one one and two one, and I'm like, they're gonna win this game, you know. So I think, but I think like my like macro level thing because I know you guys wrestle with the topic on STG of like, are they ahead of the you know schedule here i mean are they gonna can they do anything in the playoffs do they have enough high-end talent if the flyers lost every single game for the rest of the year i wouldn't give a shit because i feel like i've seen enough already to know like what they are and what they can be you know i mean i think they've already exceeded expectations by just getting to this point they've they have a lot of good young talent they're gonna play hard for torts until he at least burns them out or burns himself out and it shouldn't, in my mind, it shouldn't stop them from making some some moves at the deadline and, and still, you know, grabbing assets here. Because I, I just don't think that, like, I'm not saying, like, you you make some huge, blo- you know, blockbusters or, or go for it now or any of that or trade, you know, TK or some crazy shit, you know. But, like, I think they mm-hmm. still have to stay the course and realize that this is a rebuild. You've admitted that this is, this is a rebuild. You're committed to it. So just don't don't let anything knock you off the path. I think that's where I'm at with the Flyers, you know. They're not going to. Like, they've been committed. Even when they were winning, Jonesy came on our show, and so did Briere, and so did Hilferty, and they all said the same thing. Like, we are not a Stanley Cup contending team. It's a rebuild, and we're not going to add at the deadline. Now, the only thing that I could see them going back on is adding at the deadline a goalie. Um, I would not be surprised if they made a move for a veteran goalie to back up Sam Erson, uh, who is, like, very clearly the number one. I think they're going to give Cal Peterson some starts here because they acquired him in a trade this offseason. He really wasn't expected to be much of a factor. Um, but I could see if they get things back on track and they look like they're trending toward the playoffs, I would think that they're going to try to get a better 
number two goalie than Cal Peterson. Other than that, I don't see them adding at all. Um, I think that you're going to see plenty of rumors surrounding Scott Lawton again um, because he's had a very up-and-down season, and his downs this year have been worse than any other downs that he's put together um, over the last couple of years. I fully expect like Erasmus Ristolainen to gain some kind of interest, as will Sean Walker, as will Nick Sealer. Like, there are guys on this team who are on like decent enough contracts. Risto's not one of them, but like there are other guys on the team that have very team friendly deals and like given what they can bring to a team. Um, a lot of them have the intangibles that a playoff team would want to have. So like there are moves to be made. I think it's going to hurt. I think there are going to be guys that they're going to ship out that they otherwise wouldn't want to. But like when it all comes down to assets being the name of the game and either drafting with those picks or packaging them together to get a higher quality player that you think could be part of this thing going forward, they're going to make moves and some of them are going to hurt and some of them aren't, you know? And I think, um, I, I don't think they've, they've kind of gotten delusional. I don't think that they like view this thing all of a sudden as, Hey, we can get in and like win a first round series and then let the chips fall where they may. I think that they're very much in the mentality of like, you need top end talent to win. This team doesn't have a lot of top end talent, so if if it if it comes to pass that they make the playoffs then sure they're they're going to do whatever they can to kind of be strong going in but um you know they're not going to make an all in move for a rental player just to like give it a shot it doesn't make any sense to No and I think like I don't know if they're I don't know if this is the most accurate comparison in the world but I feel like you know that year that the Sixers had in 2016 2016-17 where Ben um, was injured, but Joel played his first year, and they won some some decent games. They they TJ McConnell had the New York Knicks game and that like game winning shot, and it, it, where it kind of just felt like they were turning a corner. Or you're getting glimpses of like, okay, I see what this may be. This is fun, like where there's no expectation, but they're turning a corner. They're not a ten win team anymore. I don't know if that's the most accurate con- comparison, but I feel like that's kind of where we're at with the Flyers, where it's like, okay, you can feel this thing turn. And we should enjoy like this gap year or two, maybe before it's like the weight of expectations is put on their shoulders where it's like, Hey, they're emerging from the Chuck Fletcher dark ages. And we is see he, a light at the end of the tunnel. Who? Is he like, are you not allowed to say his name on STG or something? Is I'm sorry. Did you, I, th- I thought you might've mentioned Fletcher Mort, but I wasn't sure. So. Previous uh, general. He should not be named. But like that's where I think we are. That's where I want to want to be. I guess where it's like I can watch this team and I can see like what it's going to be in the coming years. But I don't feel. But I don't give a shit if they win what they do now because I don't expect anything of them. You know what I mean? I want this year's. I want to have that year with the Flyers, and I'm not sure if that's this year or next year. I, I don't. I'm not really sure. But I'm if it's this year, I'm enjoying it. I, you know, I've been watching more more of them than than I have in forever bottoming out now would be bad just because of how they've gotten to where they've gotten bottoming out would potentially have adverse effects on development. If you have a season where like you're ultimately going to win 30 games, you want that to happen over the course of like being spread out around the season. You don't want it to be, Hey, we were in playoff contention until the deadline or close to it. And then the wheels fall off because that's demoralizing. Um, And that's when you start seeing finger pointing and that's when like things start leaking out about, whatever about discontent with the coach or whatever. But um, I think if, if all things go the way that they probably should, they'll likely be a team that's going to be flirting with a playoff spot up until the deadline. And I've been like very ardent in my stance here that like they need to be seven games over 500 before the deadline. 
And if they are, they'll have a chance. And if they're not, they won't. Because their schedule down the stretch after the, the trade deadline is absolutely murderer's row between top teams in both conferences and also having a lot of divisional games down the stretch. So if you're not seven games over 500, you're not making the playoffs. And like we talked about on Snow the Goalie this morning, but like the wild cards are likely going to come out of the Atlantic and not the Metro. So like, you know, you've, you have to put yourself in position to, to make it if you're going to, you know, actually hope to do it. So we'll see. It's, it's certainly been a more exciting and, and interesting season than I think any of us thought it would be. So there's, there's a positive there. And some of these young guys have kind of taken the next step and you're starting to see, all right, like there, there could be something to some of these guys. Some people uh, are listening because they want to hear the Jacob media stuff and we'll get to that. I just wanted to wrap it up here. Why don't we take the Phillies and the union and combine them into one thing here? Because my take Russ is that they're basically the same team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, running it back with the team they ran it back with. Um, Dave, Dave Dombrowski was on WIP this morning and they were asking about the quiet off season. And he said, quote, I think overall that assessment is accurate. Quiet doesn't mean inactive. We've been active on many different things as far as staying abreast of what's going on, but you know it's been quiet after hyphen. Our first real big goal was getting a starting pitcher. With Aaron Nola becoming a free agent, of course, we were fortunate to sign him, which is a big signing for us. That really stabilized our starting rotation. And then he kind of kind of went on to talk about, you know, you have to give opportunity to younger guys. He named Christopher Sanchez, Ryan Kirkering, Johan Rojas, and um I think that's great. I, I mean, I think people agree with that. I, I, it's it's just strange. You know, it's always – it's never going to be, like, exciting when your biggest move of the offseason is re-signing one of your own guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, what's funny to me is because you and I are probably, like, you know, out of all the crossing broad guys, you and I are probably most familiar with the union. And I've watched the union and the Phillies be kind of like the same thing the last couple years. They both go to the 2022, the championship in their respective sports. Phillies go out and get Trey Turner – so there's an upgrade at one position. They got to get Craig Kimbrell, which was like a upgrade for half half of a year. I don't know, like a half of an upgrade. I don't know. And the union ran it back or running it back with the team they ran it back with last year. So really the Phillies and the union have made what have – from the teams that went to the championships two years ago, they've added – how many starting position upgrades? One, one and one and a half. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, if, if these younger guys come through and they get a, you know, they turn into something, is that considered an upgrade? I, I don't, I don't know. It just feels like I, I agree with, with Dave Dombrowski when he says that they don't have gaping holes. There's not like, that's what do bullshit. They, that's what not they, true. That's not what true. Is, what's the gaping hole in the roster? Their bullpen. Their bullpen's atrocious. And, Everybody. You can make the case that, like, they need another top-quality starter. And I'm sorry, but, like, we know that this team made a significant offer to Yamamoto. So, like, no, you can miss me with that bullshit, Dave Dombrowski. You can. You can maybe, like, try to convince some fair-weather fans that, like, oh, you tried or, oh, like, we don't have a hole. You don't make a, a yeah, significant word, offer to I Yamamoto. I looking if, at the word gaping in two different ways here. I mean, teams that have, like, the Oakland no, if, A's have gaping holes. I don't think the Phillies have gaping. They, they have, do, though, because their gaping holes are different. The Athletics need have gaping holes to be like an actual legitimate MLB team. The Phillies have a gaping hole at like towards the top of their rotation if they're going to actually try to be a World Series contending team. Like I'm sorry, but like fine, you wanted to re-sign Aaron Nola, that's fine. We've seen that Aaron Nola is not a big game pitcher. We know that there are times that he can really like stand up to the pressure and there are times where he folds. You needed another guy to be in there to be a, like a number two level starter. We know Zach Wheeler is reliable. 
All right. And we know that he's got like ace potential. Like he can do it. Yeah. But like, no, if you're trying to win a world series, it can't be Zach Wheeler. Yay. Aaron Nola sometimes maybe Ranger Suarez. Who the fuck else knows? Like, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't work. That doesn't work in, in baseball today. It never has. It probably never will again. So no. And again, you don't make an offer to Yamamoto if you're comfortable with the rotation you have. And they made an offer and what was reported to be a significant offer. Yeah. And like they didn't get him and they clearly didn't believe that the free agent pitchers that were available were enough of an upgrade. But I'm sorry. I don't buy it. He can try to sell it. I don't have to buy it. Well, I don't. I think you and I probably are in more in agreement than disagreement. I think we're just splitting hairs over a choice of a, over a word choice. You know what I mean? I like, again, this team was good enough to. <clears throat> My take is that this team didn't fail to go to the World Series last year because of a lack of talent, right? They just choked on their home field, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's all I see. But I don't, I, I didn't look at that and say, well, if they had this, you know, if they had player X, Y, or Z, then they would have beat the Diamondbacks. They should have beat the Diamondbacks in five with that roster that they had compared to Arizona's roster. Now, that's not me yeah. shitting on the Diamondbacks or the Jimmy World drummer, you know, who seems like a tool. That's just a statement of fact. Like they had the higher payroll, they had more experience. And like, you know, I get it. I mean, you're always looking for, you always want to upgrade everything. Of course, that's not a hot take. I mean, Jordan Montgomery, Bellinger's still out there. You know, uh, Scott Boris is trying to, you know, light the, uh, the Phillies have a, a gas hot stove and he's trying to get the pilot light on right now and trying to force some things going. And maybe they still make some moves, but it's just, it's funny to me because they just look like, you know, the framework of running it back is there, right? And it's and, and to me, it's like it's the same thing with the union, man. It's like you're, you're so close, man. You're like right the fuck there, you know? And it's like if you they make like, me, they make me so angry. I have to go for it, you know? Um, so I just don't want it to be like one of those things where it's like, man, if we just made that, yes, you're investing money, but like if that just that one additional thing, what's a little more stupid money if you're right on the doorstep? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's a controversial name out there, but like, would would Trevor Bauer make this rotation better? Probably. You know, I know that I mean, it's a PR. Gonna, I know it's I know it's a, him. like what do baseball? Fans well, I know I know Trevor that it's Bauer. a it's probably like something that they're, they're worried is going to be like a PR disaster if they do it. But if it makes your team better, I mean, sorry, you brought a Dubal Herrera back. Like you've had guys in this organization before who have like played here who have not been good human beings. Like I don't know what to tell you. If it makes your team better, you have to you have to at least consider it. You know, I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying, like, conceptually, like, I don't know, is, is he is he worse? I mean, he wasn't criminally convicted. So, well, I mean, like, take that, other take that for what god. it's worth. You know, should the Eagles sign the punt god, 610-632? Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't... Carter Hart just got charged with sexual assault, right? Like, if he gets cleared of it, and, like, whenever the hell that is, say 2026, when there's allegedly, like, potentially going to be a trial, Right. If, the 2027, if 2027 comes around or something and, like, there is a team that needs a goalie that they think has top-end potential and he's cleared, is there going to be no NHL team that's going to consider it? Like, I don't know. I can't imagine that anybody would, but, like, who's to say? If you're trying to win a championship, again, like, there there are ways that you can win on the margins. And, like, baseball contracts, you can sign a guy to a one-year deal and cut ties. I don't know. Just a thought. I just yeah. – I don't see it. And, by the way, like, I saw this from Philly fan – did the Braves and, and Mets get any better? I don't care because I always look at it as how do you compare to the best teams in the game? And I get that like the Braves are one of the best teams in the game and the Mets light money on fire. And I get that the Dodgers aren't a good playoff team. Like I get it. I totally get it. 
but I don't care about if the rest of the division got good. I worry about when you make the postseason, are you a legitimate World Series contender or not? And notice I haven't addressed the union because they're not worth my time because (laughs) Jay Sugarman is not worth my time. Jay Sugarman should be criminally convicted for negligence for what he's done with his team. The Academy is great, and they keep pumping out, you know, top quality prospects that eventually go abroad. Swell. Spend some of the fucking money that you got for making it to MLS Cup or for getting into Champions League. Spend some of the fucking money on the team that people actually pay to go see. Like, how's that for an idea? It's insane, Kevin, and you know it. Like, there's there's no way to justify the lack of spending and, like, you made, you made the point the other day. Like, they went and got a guy out of, what, third-tier Lithuania. I'm like, yeah, he'll probably end up being an all-star because, like, Ernst Tanner's just good at finding those guys. Yeah. But holy shit, can we get, like, a guy in here that people can recognize and, like, is somewhere at or near his prime? Can we so just try one do. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to switch the jerseys that are hanging over my left shoulder. Thank people you. can't see it if they're listening on the audio podcast, but I have an Always Soccer in Philadelphia charity jersey up there. That's a union-related thing. We're going to put that off to the side. We're going to place that with uh, Zinedine Zidane. And then, Russ, when the union are worth a shit, again, are worth talking about again, then we'll when we'll swap the jerseys back and mm-hmm. we'll, put, we'll put them back. Over there. Yeah, I disagree with you, man. I mean, you're, you're running it back with the team you ran it back with, which got right, time from to... first place to fourth place. Yeah, it's like it was naive to think like, – this is this is how I like, link it back to the Phillies again. It's like – because you're, you're like – if you're going to run it back, you know, you're going to – you're making the assumption that these guys who have the career years are going to have career years again, right? Running like is Nick Cassianos going to be this year what he was last year? Is Bryce Harper going to be? I mean, you're going to have some guys go up and some guys go down. So it's like mm-hmm. there's there's variation, which is why running it back is always dumb. Like, has how many how many times is? I don't have an answer for this. This is a rhetorical question. Maybe somebody in the chat can think of a team or whatever. But how many times did running it back like really work out? Like was a huge success. And don't give me like you know, the 1914 Yankees or something. They're like, you know, Barcelona with a generational talent everywhere or something like that. Of course. I mean, I mean the like, Chiefs, the, the Chiefs didn't exactly run it back, but like they're about to potentially win their second straight Super Bowl. Well, I mean, look at their receivers. Man. Without, I mean, they, without they any receivers. Money to, yeah, they gave all this money to Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm just glad we avoided the Andy Reid shit again. I can't talk about the Andy mm-hmm. Reid thing. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't care about Taylor Swift. If they show on TV, I'm not going to be offended because they show all kinds of other bullshit on TV, so it doesn't bother me. Um, I'm going to try something here really quick. Hold on. Oh, it sounds like the tea's ready. The tea's ready. God. People have been waiting this whole time for the Jacob Media tea well, to uh, to heat up, and yeah. and here we are. Don't you dare downplay it. You wrote an incendiary piece on CrossingBroad.com in which multiple people were spoken to and cited, saying that potentially Jacob Media was behind, either now or at some point, tens of thousands of dollars in payments to their talent. So let's have a chat because Frank over here checked in for the first time just to hear the tea. And you just heard it. The tea is ready. So, Kevin, here's a cup. Fill it up with some tea. Here you go. Uh, Well, it's not that I'm, like, trying to withhold anything. I just – I don't know what – I think I said everything that there is to say in the article. I just want to recap the article, like, for people who didn't get to read it. I put it up on the site yesterday. So here's the background. Jacob Media – you guys probably know. I mean, it's they do YouTube shows like we do and like other people do. And they came around a couple of years ago. They've got uh, 
Yeah, keep scrolling down there, Craig, if you don't mind. They've got like the Birds 365 show with Jody and John. They've got the Eagles post game show with uh, Mike Missinelli and Gunner and uh, Farzetta and Missinelli. Sports Take with Rob Ellis. Uh, Tone to Shields has been doing it. Gunner was on that. Barrett Brooks. National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Um, and Philly Sports Power Hours new. Uh, Bill Calarulo does that one. And they had they had, they had some shows like The Middle with Aton and Harry and Barrett Brooks and they had some other stuff too. And basically, like over the course of you know the last like year or so, six seven months or whatever, there had just been kind of talk in various media circles in Philadelphia. Anthony can tell you. Anthony heard the same stuff. Anthony gets a contributor line at the bottom of the story that they're just like, yeah, we're not getting paid. We're not getting paid on time. We're owed a ton of money. We have these contracts with weird payment structures in them. And uh, we're just like, we, we don't know what to do. Like, it's just not coming, you know? And so I basically talked to like more than 10 people, not all contributors though. I mean, like some people like directly there who like had seen contracts or were aware of what was going on here. And I just collected all this stuff of people saying bullet point one payments were often late required, you know, repeated effort to obtain like multiple trying to get in touch with Joe Krause, the guy who runs the, the organization, you know, um, and they would be given these excuses and, you know, I'm out of town, you know, send me an invoice, stuff like that. Um, one person noted that they felt like Kraus was hoping the workers would simply forget about the outstanding payment. Um, when they did get money, sometimes it was incomplete, like being owed, uh, you know, $8,000 or something, but you only get 4,000 and then you got chased down. The other half of that, you know, um, some contributors threatened to stop hosting their shows until they were paid. Um, others had to get lawyers involved. You know, some people like, some people have agents and some people don't, you know what I mean? Um, and so like, if you have an agency or whatever, they have a legal department that they can lean on. Otherwise, if it's just like you or me, we don't have friggin' agents. Like if somebody owed us money, like who, who am I going to what recourse do I have there? You know? So they said they weren't going to, some people said it wasn't worth the time to go to like small court. Um, I heard there were instances of checks that were bouncing. Um, there was sort of like a priority and like who got paid before other people, uh, based on, you know, what people told me was like the level of pushback that those people would give. There's one person who's not there anymore, says they're owed about $7,000. They've come to uh, grips that they will never see that. Um, and what's interesting too, is that, you know, so it's like, how do you, how do you get all these people to come work for you in the first place? Well, a lot of people mentioned to us that the pay was like well above market value, which is why you get like Mike Mistinelli's and Seth Joyner's. And I remember Seth Joyner left the post-game Eagles show for, uh, I almost said Comcast Sports, for NBC Sports Philadelphia, right? To go to Jacob, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, making decent money to do it. And, um, you know, the editorial strategy was loose and people were telling us that they kind of throw a bunch of names in there and say, all right, figure it out and turn it into a show. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was it kind of explained to us like by the loose math that we did based on what people were telling us of what they were owed and what other people were owed that we think there's like tens of thousands of dollars outstanding. Now, I did I talked to Joe Kraus. We talked on the phone and like I sent him a story before. Like, see what? So it's customary when you do stuff like this to like tell people ahead of time, hey, here's a story I got. We're planning on running it tomorrow or 48 hours, like 24 to 48 hours, something like that. Mm -hmm. This gives people an opportunity to respond to it. And he was like amicable. There was no hostility when I talked to him and he gave me a statement and he said at Jacob media, we place immense value on both our talent and our contributors. It's a fundamental principle that we've always honored upon completion of their contract deliverables. 
Every talent is paid what they're owed without exception. Our dedicated team continues to actively contribute to Jacob Daly, and, and they've been with us two to three years. It's important to note the context of our business. We're a self-funded small enterprise devoid of venture capital or inheritance. We're determined to build what we believe will become the largest digital network in the market. And while we recognize that experiencing growing pains is inevitable, we approach them with openness and embrace the challenges they bring. We remain steadfast in our transparency with our talent and will continue to uphold this principle moving forward. This journey underscores our resilience, transparency, and determination to succeed in a competitive landscape. So, yeah, I mean, look, like I got accounts from a bunch of different people said here's what these it's people clear they didn't pay people that's a lovely statement but it doesn't make it true because if there are all these people saying i didn't get paid you know who i'm gonna believe the people who are saying they didn't get paid because you know what people typically don't do make up shit about their employer the place that's hired them as a freelancer for thousands of dollars right. i don't think that those people all have a coordinated effort to besmirch the good name of jacob media that's crazy I mean, it's great it's great if you want to say, like, hey, we strive to pay our people on time. But, like, if the facts are the facts and you didn't pay your people, like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, um, I'm looking can at we the just, chat. Like, and... like, could we just say really quickly, like, there, there are reasons that Jacob Media has not worked or that they have not gotten the groundswell of support that they might have otherwise hoped they would have. All right? Like, it's hard to start a new network in the city, Okay. There are only a few ways to do it. You can try to poach talent. PHLY did that. They've had different levels of success. Um, Jacob Media didn't go after the top writers in the city like PHLY did, right? They decided to go after like people who had worked at a couple of the radio stations, and they tried to build around that, and it didn't, it didn't really help them gain market share. And it's just the truth. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're wrong for what they tried to do, but it does mean that like – they they had a model that they tried and it didn't really work. Like Dan Cilio's show, the only time that anyone ever seems to know when it's happening or he what's happening with killed, it. By the way, he took so much <laughs> collateral. Like, you know, the thing is that like he puts out some ridiculous fucking takes and then they get blasted on social media. And other than that, like I don't know a soul who listens to Dan Cilio's show. Now, obviously, there must be people. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a job. Right. So like, that's fine. I don't get it, but okay. Are there, are there people that are like doing shows? Like, I don't know. Craig, can you pull up that list of shows again really quick? Because when like, Cilio went on Twitter afterwards and he said, just for the record, I'm getting paid on time. And he, he yeah, went like, public like, with it. Nobody else went public about anything. So like Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure there are people who listen to it. It's an Eagles related show. Okay. Rob Ellis. You know, like people like me look back longingly for the days of Rob Ellison, you know, Daily News Live or Philly Sports Talk or whatever, or whatever the hell the show was called. Like, all right, cool. I don't know who Tone DeShields is. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks. Like, Derek Gunn, I will always hold a special place in my heart for because I associate with him with like Comcast Sportsnet back when it was a good network, when it was run well or well enough. Right, well, that but was like, crazy. I mean, getting rid of Derek Gunn was like one of the dumbest, probably one of the dumbest. It was, ever it made. was such a stupid thing to do. But like, if you look at this list, like, <laughs> who are the needle movers? Well, who let's did they okay. get? So let's, let's not like this is not going to be a sh like a shit flinging segment here or whatever. I'm not shit. I'm not shit flinging. I'm legitimately asking a question. <laughs> who are the needle movers on that list? Like, right. did did getting Mike Missinelli to do the po the pregame and postgame show? Did that 
did that warrant like did that get them what they hoped it would in well, terms got, of like, like viewership? I don't know. I don't know what their numbers were because I never watched it. That's my question. <laughs> I think they got like forty average like 40,000 to 45,000 YouTube. I mean, this is more like a, like a, like I should swap seats with Kyle Scott right here. Cause he can tell you how to monetize this stuff. Like what, how much do you need to monetize a YouTube show or whatever? Like the PHLY shows are still relatively new. They don't have like a, a very high listenership either. I don't know what they're, I don't know the business like model. Frozen. Like, Oh, I'm, Oh my God. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but your can face you is very now? frozen. You're very well, stone faced. At least from what to, I can uh, see. Here, hang on one sec. I'm just going to stop the cam and bring it back on. Nope. No. Oh, my Craig, do you see this? Do you see a frozen kinker? Oh no, a frozen. Wait, hold on, kinker. Hold on kinker. I'm going to remove. Wait, hold on. Remove, remove yourself and turn your video off. Okay, hang on and one then, sec. We made don't it leave. This far without having tech. Don't leave. I get. It. I know how to do it. <sighs> All right, there. He just turned his camera off and. Now he's a black screen. <laughs> oh, now I'm a black screen. I mean, we made it one one hour and twelve minutes before this uh, whole. Oh my gosh, this is. Oh, and you could be like, you can be like, uh, yeah, an omnipotent voice in the background. You know, <laughs> well, talk uh, something to T. I'm going to go. I see what you're saying. No, but like, yeah. Miss Sinelli brings easy value, maybe not from the viewership, but because sponsors know who he is. So, like, he made sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. He made sense. Seth Joyner, to some extent, probably made some sense because people know who Seth Joyner is. But are there other people? <laughs> Hang on, Jones one is right. Never happens on Jacob Media. Just See, Kincaid, Kincaid is running a uh, two-bit production here. All right, now he left, and I guess he's going to try to come back on. We'll see. Craig, if he's not, I'm going to bring you on the screen, so I'm not just talking to myself. Uh, Kinker is back. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Kevin Kincaid. Well, if we, uh, we, you know, we're talking about Jacob, and then our stuff starts to go to shit. You know, maybe I'm not responsible for this one. This is your, this is your Streamyard account. This is your, uh, yeah. uh, well, I, I guess technically it is. But it's the company is Streamyard. Did you pony up for the one that gives you 1080p? Because Joy Media has that. Does does uh, you know? I mean, does anybody want to see me in 1080p? I think that's the question. You know, your wife so. maybe. I don't know. No, my wife was ready to. So I'm burning incense over here. Oh, it's done. But I was burning incense earlier in the show. My wife hates it. She thinks it's like makes me a little kid. She's like, "What are you, a teenager? Like they don't they, like. Are you going to go to the surf mall in Ocean City and get?" Did they have so she, stores where uh, where yeah. you grew up uh, in Boyertown? Like, did they? You know what I mean by a hippie store? Like the sign would have like the tie dye on it, and there were like beanbag chairs and incense and like beads and like. No, not in Boyertown. Only had like two stores anyway, but at the Coventry Mall, I think you could get that shit. Yeah. So okay, rest in peace. By the way, I think the the, the uh, <clears throat> Coventry Mall might have gone down the shitter. But getting it back to Jacob, I don't have. Let me yeah, let me like Vinny Vinny here. How do you not like Jacob? I don't really care about Jacob. I don't like or dislike Jacob. I don't I don't consume their content. I'm just asking some very simple questions here. You know, well, here's the thing. So, because a lot of people seem to like when I, I noticed in the reaction to the story, a lot of people were talking about PHLY and kind of drawing comparisons between the two. And you know, one thing I think is worth stressing is like PHLY has venture capital backing a lot you know, of it, they've got a lot of uh, money behind it. Yes, yeah, so they hire staff and they try to. Oh, thank you, Craig, for that switch. That was me. That's fine. Oh, okay, so Craig fought, fell asleep. After, well, Craig I had a great show, so I can't hold him against him. Yeah, oh, Ford oh, four, here. Oh, Ford, hold on, yeah. Ford's here. <laughs> Could have been on the show. Is not on the show. Damn shame. Oh, the white Marcus Hayes. I couldn't remember the nickname he had for you. I was trying to think. White Marcus Hayes. But anyway, like, so the PHOI's got venture capital. A lot of times, like, they have, you know, they come in with the VC money and it's like, 
you have X amount of time to kind of figure this out and get the money, the money roll. I remember when Philly mm-hmm. Voice split off from Philadelphia Inquirer. It's been 10 years, believe it or not. Um, you know, I think one of the directives is like, we're going to float you with enough, enough Norcross cash to get you to a certain point, And then you have to be mm-hmm. selling enough ads and doing all that stuff. And 10 years later, here they are, you know? So, you know, I think that's a different. Jacob doesn't have investors. Jacob doesn't have, you know, any backing and, and whatnot. And like, let's be honest too. I've been, I was a freelancer in Philadelphia sports for like eight years. I never got paid on time. You know, if I missed if like, you know, my editor at voice forgot to turn in like an invoice or something, no problem. They put it in the next payroll. Instead of getting $500 that month, I get a thousand dollars the next month. There was never any issue. You know what I'm saying? So, so you get to, you get to like, that's, that's common in, in Philadelphia sports media, right? And we are freelancer podcast or anything, but when you go six, seven, eight, nine months, or like you're asking and asking and asking allegedly, as people told us, and you don't get anything, then that's where it becomes a story. Cause I was sitting here at the beginning. I'm like, is this a story? People getting paid late. I always got paid late, but people are saying I didn't get paid at all. So then that's where it becomes a, a thing to me. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough, like, Shit, man, even when I was at Eyewitness News, can't get any more corporate than that, right? Mm-hmm. Is there more of a corporate journalism outlet in the city than Eyewitness News or NBC 10 or anything like that? If I wasn't there one day when you had to turn your invoices in, I didn't get paid. So I would get paid late by Channel 3, like CBS Corporation in New York. So I got paid late by everybody, you know? So if those direct deposits aren't hitting, then you're probably chasing. But I mean, this, as described to us, was a lot more severe than, uh, you know your typical, your, your typical uh, thing, you know, but no, I mean, Joe Krause, again, like there's no, there's no comparison. There's no comparison between what they're doing and what PHLY is doing other than they're both YouTube focused. That's it. They just went a very different way. Like, listen, we, I mean, I'm sure. Can I make something real quick? I I just draw a distinction here real quick. Cause future of men is commenting on here. He said, he doesn't sound like any of these people are employees. No, I mean, just to be a hundred percent clear, maybe I can go back in the story and says, but these are all 1099 Mm -hmm. employees. Right. I mean, there's no independent contractors. Full time, yeah, they're all independent contractors. I don't know if there's any full full timers there, but regardless, yeah. it doesn't change much of the. Yeah, it's just the status of what they are. I mean, if you're a full time employee, then yeah, your direct deposits hitting right. But yeah. you know, back I was okay. a 1099. I remember one year my taxes, I had like seven 1099s to file. It was a fucking nightmare. You know, now we just get direct deposit with yeah Excel. So, but my my point was PHLY is paying their people incredibly well to do the content that they're doing their whole thing, which I have always been you know, skeptical about. I, I don't, I don't know the viability of it. Like long-term again, wish those people well, um, is they took a lot of really good writers and tried to turn them into podcast hosts and on-screen personalities, which is a kind of bold thing to do because like, all right. So if you're going to, if you look at it like that, and then like the Jacob media people, in a lot of cases, they took people who had been on TV or radio before and just put them in front of a camera. And so you would say, like, hey, that probably is a more seamless transition. So, like, there was – I don't know. Like, I would say there's probably some logic in what they did and how they went about doing it. It's just, again, like, market share-wise, I don't know. Like, I just yeah, – it either and, works or and, it doesn't. Like, ultimately, yeah. if you're a video-focused company – the, the proof is in the pudding on a few things. Advertising dollars, which you can get in part by the talent. Uh, and, and the other thing is the views and downloads. And if you're a video-based company or a podcast-based company and you're not getting those numbers, it is going to be harder to sell to advertisers over an extended period of time. So that's what companies like that have to deal with. Here at 
you know, crossing broad at XL Media PLC, where like Kevin Kincaid is the managing editor and chief CEO of Crossing Broad. Senior like, managing it. I'm the technically the senior managing editor on the um uh-huh. on like the chart. You don't have to do a podcast if you don't want, because XL Media does not care if you do a podcast or not, but you do it out of the kindness of your heart and because you care. Because you care about the people. A man of the people, perhaps. Well, and we need a say. visual. I mean, we listen, this is like kind of wrapping wrapping this show up and bringing it full circle here. Like, I love the interviews that we had with, you know, and then Pagan's able to chop them up and turn them into video clips or whatever. I mean, that's a big reason why, you know, social is up like 400% over the last whatever year and year and a half or whatever it is. So we want to keep getting guests on the show and we want to keep doing that kind of stuff. But yes, I mean, I am a writer, right? I mean, 90% of what I do is write. Mm-hmm. Pagan is a brilliant video content creator so like you want you want people to do what they're best at and spend the most time doing what they're they're best at so i think the thing with phly and i'm not gonna they've been doing it for six months or whatever it is i'm not ready to pass any kind of judgment on anything but yeah i mean you have some like brilliant writers there who are doing like podcasts and like part of me i ask myself i'm like is that the best use of these guys skills and these guys talents you know maybe they develop into like really good YouTube hosts and podcasters or whatever, but coming into it, that's not what they were and not what they had familiarity with. So I always look at like, you know, keep it simple and do what you're good at. Like if your shit's mm-hmm. good, it's good. People will find you no yep. matter where it is. The last thing I do just want to say about the Jacob thing, because somebody made the point. Um, uh, let me pull it up here. Future of men again. He says, uh, so contractors and no venture capital, right? So like a lot of times what happens is like, if you owe people money, like you can take out like a business loan or something. Or your investors, you know, set you up with a certain amount of money. Like when, when the Crossing Broad story, investor Mike and investor Jeff came in and had an infusion of cash, which was used to pay me and to pay other people. And so, you know, that's how it, it works, you know, because it is a pain in the ass. I cannot explain how hard it is sometimes to get clients to pay you. Yes. So like if you're Joe Krause. Yes. Yes. If you're a Joe Krause fan, this is where I have sympathy for him and for other people, assuming everything that we were told is true. If you're doing something with pick a client, uh, you know, 94 YSP or something like that, and they advertise $10,000, it can take you months to get the, like to get the clients to pay you. And then you take the money that you get from them and you give it to your employees, but you got to have enough to float your employees and then you reimburse yourself. I mean, if you're doing it backwards, then that's not, you know, the business practice, but we were able to like largely avoid that because, you know, Jeff and Mike were there with the, with the upfront money. And then everybody got paid in the end, you know, except for me and Russ. So we're trying to get our bag as well. I still have a sponsor who like sponsored snow, the goalie in 2020, who still owes me like 2000 bucks. And I just gave up on it. Like I got to a point where I said like COVID came around, but like apparently the one sponsor is like trying to buy another brewery, and maybe I'll have to revisit with him. Uh, if you have the money for a brewery, you can always, uh, you know, pay us what you owe us. Well, the brewery was where I made my Rihanna. first my first snow the goal appear snow the goalie appearance was at a brewery. It was at Odd Logic, and I um, filled in for the deathly ill Anthony San Francisco, mm-hmm. Sherlock yeah. San Filippo. But uh, yeah, so no, that's um, yeah, that's the tea on that. I mean. I think I told the whole story there. I don't have anything against anybody there. It wasn't a hit piece. Like I'm, I'm wake up one day and be like, I'm gonna go after these motherfuckers. Like it wasn't like that at all. You know, people start coming to us, and then you're like, okay, it gets to a certain point where it starts to swell, and you're like, all right, this is probably something we should do because that's like, 
that's our prerogative, you know what I mean? Like media watch well, kind of stuff. You it's know? like Nat says here. If there's one thing I've learned about Philly media, it's that everyone reads Crossing Broad. Mm-hmm. That, that is true. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Even the people who act like they don't know who uh, the Crossing Broad folks are. Uh, people love reading they, about themselves, too. They, so. they love it. it. It is a it is one of their favorite things to do. So, yeah. Well, listen, um, Russ, thanks. I appreciate everybody for jumping on. Pagan has been fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's uh, hanging his wall art. But uh, now Russ and I are going to keep this thing going for a little bit. And like I said at the beginning, you know, let us know if you got ideas and we'll kind of, um, you know, craft a new schedule. Maybe uh, going along here, hit me up, hit Russ up. And, um, yeah, maybe we go Monday, Thursday. Maybe it's Tuesday. Th- you know, we'll talk about it. And we'll figure it out. But we're open to all ideas. Shout out to everybody. Listening to the show, shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to Craig, who was on a fucking heater. He was on a heater. Oh my God, what a Listen, my, my, my plan right now is Monday. Like, Monday, okay, I, plan, like, Monday I plan to go live. Craig, hopefully, will be behind the scenes to, you know, on the, on what the hell is it, the ones and the twos? The ones so, and the twos. We'll get Ford on. Ford's going to come on. And we got a list of, so one of the exercises that I did real quick before we wrap it up was I went through... All of the, I made an entire list of every guest that's been on the show over the last, like, however long, you know, it's like at least 75 people. And, um, I have another list of, that I started of people that we want to get on the show and interviews that we want to do, but you tell us too. I mean, if there's a certain person you want us to reach out to, if there's a certain interview you're interested in, let me know. I can't promise we'll get them all. It took me five years to get Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell, but we got him. God damn it. So, um, but Let us know. We'll right. put together another list. We'll brainstorm some ideas, but we're going to keep it going. And uh, we appreciate you guys. So we'll see you next time. All right.